Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello and welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I am Steve Ellis And I am Robert Wolfson And we the gents we the gents. Oh, yeah. NBA season is in. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Exactly. He knows me well. Raptors fan. We the gents. And it does feel like we the north because it's very cold right now. <laughs> we the Arctic north. Although, if you're listening to this in Toronto, it's like 20 plus 20. But in Calgary, it's minus 20. Yeah, we're the true north here. Strong and free. <laughs> I knew that was coming too. See, we <laughs> we know each other so well. It's like we finish each other's sentences. We finish each other's sentences. sentences. So, Steve, it's pretty frigid, not only outside, but the economy is also pretty frigid right now as well. Yeah, I got nothing to say about, about your, your analogy there. That was just, it was like a dad joke in a way. <laughs> the economy is frigid. I think my kids would just shake their head at you with that one. Hey. It's a true story, though. It is true, but the, the delivery was pretty cheesy. Fair I enough. I got to say that was Fair that was cheesy. Anyway, um, regardless of the cheese factor, yeah, the the economy is very uh, chilly, and we are fielding a lot of questions about the economy. You know, more so than we have for a while, and we're starting to feel, I guess, this concern around a recession. Now that said. We had a recession in 2020. I'm not sure a lot of people really think about that because there was other things to think about. There was a lot more going on, but we didn't have we didn't have recession questions in 2020, really. It almost felt like a depression more than a recession because it happened so quickly. But then by the time we were thinking about it, the market started to recover and it was over. So it was forced by the government. We all know what happened in 2020. We don't need to talk about it. We're not going to mention. Go- oh, 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 close, oh, oh, close one. We almost finished each other's sentences <laughs> there. Yeah, Rob, it's almost like we're not using 2020 as a point of reference, right? When we think about a recession, we're using previous recessions. A lot of people are comparing this to the 70s, early 80s, you know, that recessionary period. Because for people that were around during that time, it feels a little bit more like that than certainly the 2020 recession. And especially the cause of what's happening right now. One of the main reasons, of course, is hyperinflation. We haven't had to deal with uh, this rate of change in consumer goods prices, price just to feed your family, your fuel, your heat, your rents, uh, going back to the early 80s, so 40 years. And obviously, uh, the response by the central bankers with the rapid rate increases and just the speed of how quickly the cost of borrowing, the cost access capital is increasing and the impact on our consumer pocketbooks from that. Steve, I don't think anyone out there is blind to the fact that we're heading for a slowdown. It's been in the news, in the headlines a lot, especially over the past uh, couple of months. If you listen to any of our past episodes of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents, we've been talking about the economy and the markets and what's aggravating and causing the volatility of the markets. So we all know a recession's coming. And the, one of the analogies that I heard recently, which is, I think, a very good way to think about it, it's just like a hurricane. You know it's coming, but is it going to be a category one, two, three, four, or five? And that's what we're really trying to figure out. The two kind of factors which lead to a recession are both on opposite sides of the spectrum. Number one is rate increases, and of course we know what's happening with rates this year. But the other is unemployment. But the jobs market is very strong. There's jobs to be had out there. So the two main factors which typically lead to a recession 
are kind of going in opposite directions. So obviously the levy has to break and one's going to uh, take over eventually. Right. I think to add to that, Rob, one of the issues we're seeing and where the concern over a recession is starting to increase is that we feel like it's coming, but it's just not getting here. Right. And you alluded to the fact that, you know, we still have good jobs numbers and that's a big factor in not being technically in a recession. You also have a lot of people that feel like we already are for a lot of reasons. So I'm going to use an analogy, and this is a sports analogy, shocker, uh, but it's sort of like if you've ever played a contact sport, you know, rugby or football or two that come to mind, and the anticipation of that first hit is often worse than the hit itself, right? It's like once you get hit, now the adrenaline's up, the next one doesn't hurt as much, but before you get hit that first time, you're just, you're thinking about it and, and you're you're not bracing quite ready for, for it. it. You're, you're bracing for yeah. it. And I feel like we're bracing for this recession and we're just sort of waiting for it to happen. And to go back to the 2020 recession, we didn't have time to brace for it. We didn't have time to anticipate it. And, uh, and I think that that maybe helped with people's level, level of anxiety and so on. And we're starting to see that anxiety creep up because we're just waiting for what we feel like might be an inevitability. I think we just need to take the Band-Aid and rip it off and get it over with. Oh, another analogy. Good one. So, Rob, I think what qualifies us to say that we're seeing people that are concerned or anxious about the economy is a lot of the questions that we're getting about people's portfolio really illustrate that that concern around the economy exists. You know, things like, you know, what do we want to do with my portfolio if we go into a recession or when we go into a recession or should I be reducing risk or, you know, um, you know, things that indicate that people are concerned essentially about the, the state of their financial affairs. And I think there's two aspects associated with that concern. The first is just really the emotional side of it, right? How is it affecting us emotionally? And the other is the financial side. And I think, again, you you can't separate those two things, but I think that they can be dealt with a little bit differently. So what I want to start with is just more, we'll call it the emotional side of it. How do we deal with the emotional aspect, the stress, the anxiety that comes with this expectation of an economic downturn. And I've got really five tips. And a lot of these are things that we've talked about in the past as it pertains to your investment portfolio. The first is really to narrow your focus. And that really just means look at your own life, look at your own situation. How do these things really impact you as opposed to focusing on the big picture, the macroeconomic news, which that we know there's a lot of. You can take in a lot of information. And I think what you have to do is shut out as much of that information as you can and just focus on your own situation and what you can change in your own life. Actually, let's not say change in your own life. Let's say control. control. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Oop, there it is. Rob, it's like we share a brain or something. <laughs> so before I go on to point number two, I actually, when I put these five points together, I, I wasn't sure sort of what order to put them in because it's not like everyone has the same issues. It's not like there's a sequence in which you want to do all these things. But, you know, I think that they're all very much interrelated. I think you could call one, 1A. you know, one, one, a one B one, <laughs> it just keeps happening. 
1A, 1B, 1C. So, again, in no particular order. The second one is to have a discussion with your financial advisor. When I've been talking to our clients, oftentimes it's that counsel, it's, you know, some perspective on what's happening. You know, we're talking about here today how often recessions actually happen, right? It's a normal part of the business cycle. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a normal part of the financial cycle that happens generally every five to six years, right? We, we often say it's not something to be feared. It's not something to necessarily make big decisions around. I'm foreshadowing a little bit here, but, you know, having a portfolio that can withstand recessions at all times, because you don't always get this advanced notice, so to speak, of when we're ex- expecting a recession. So yeah. yeah, this seems to be the most telegraphed recession in history. Very much Everyone so. Everyone knows it's coming. Very much so. So again, telegraphing some of the financial points there, but just meet with a financial advisor, uh, call it a trusted source, consult the professionals. Yeah, that's excellent advice, Steve. So what's your point number three or 1C, whichever way you want to phrase it? Well, the next one is to actually do a stress test. And I think... You know, looking at worst, okay, so call it worst case scenario. I call it a stress test. And we we talk about stress testing portfolios all the time. I think you got to stress test your life and say, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen for me if we go into a recession? And oftentimes in a recession, people are concerned about jobs. So part of that involves looking at sort of the, the job security that you may have, whether your job is recession proof the reason for the recession and and how that can affect your life. So, you know, stress testing things on on the financial side is very important to ease the emotional burden. So really just crunch the numbers and see perhaps you're worrying for nothing. I think it's just important to to use real numbers, narrow the focus, look at yourself. So again, when I say it could be 1A, 1B, 1C, that's really tied into narrowing your focus. It's just now putting some numbers and some real facts and figures to that, that focus. Okay, number four. This one is way less financial than, than anything, and it's really just to take a step back, kind of take a breath. You hear that in a lot of instances in, in life. It's like, just take a step back, just take, take a deep breath. And that's really what it is, I think, just to step back from it. You know, I can tell you, just stay away from the news. That's certainly a way of stepping back yep. and taking a breath, right? Turn the TV off, right? A lot of that just doesn't apply to us on an individual basis. So if we narrow our focus and start looking at our own life, how much of that information that we're absorbing do we really need? So just take a moment, take a breath, figure out how the information is impacting you, whether it be negatively or positively, and then figure out what you really need at the end of the day. And again, they tie in because oftentimes what you need is a conversation with your financial advisor, not to be on, you know, CNBC, Fox, CNN, BNN, whatever it may be for two, three hours a night. Okay, Robin. And finally, on the emotional side is to expand your frame of reference, look long term. We talk about narrowing your focus. But we also are talking about expanding that focus in other areas. And that's just thinking about things from a longer term perspective. So how long is a typical recession relative to periods that were not in a recession? So length of recession varies, but we do know that that period of recession is much shorter 
than periods of growth. Yeah, right. Yeah. The good times are always more than the bad. It just feels more heavier when we're in the bad times. It does, right? And that's like anything in life. That's that's how, how things feel. So, again, just start to look at long-term, whether it be your portfolio or just life in general. Start to take a, a longer-term uh, look at things. Yeah, and so many of these factors are out of our control. So I really love your tips about just taking a step back. Focus on the things that are in your control. Focus on the positives and, and do your best to get through it. Consult professionals. All fantastic tips, Steve. Well, thank you, Rob. That brings up another really good point, I think, is just maybe take a little time to compliment somebody. Maybe they need it right now because they're feeling anxious or concerned about the recession. Steve, you're a great guy. Not as great as you, Rob. Boy, thank you, Steve. So, Rob, I've been hogging the mic here, and, you know, you are an extremely intelligent man, very handsome and uh, you should, you, I'm sure you have some great things to, to share. Well, Steve, flattery will get you everywhere, <laughs> as they say. But in all seriousness, we, we, previous episode, we've talked about time in the market, not timing the market. And couldn't be more astute advice than in what we're currently going through. We know the markets always come back. It's just a matter of when and how far they're going to come back. And you can't sell out just because the economy is potentially going, likely going into recession and wait for things to get better because the market always starts to come back before the economy actually does. So if you try to time it, you'll miss that pop, even though the economy is still not doing that great. So definitely stay focused on your long-term objectives. Make sure you're, it's okay to make changes around the edges. Of course, we're not saying don't do that. You want to rebalance, you want to adjust, you want to be in the right companies, but you want to stay invested because the market will start to come back even though the economy is still in the middle of uh, of potentially in the downturn in the recession. Right. We often tell people this, you know, selling out is a losing strategy. It's been proven over time. Staying invested is a winning strategy. It's been proven over time. I think it's one of those things that I think deep down people know, but I think unfortunately that again, that human emotion can take over that sensibility. So to go back to the point earlier, call your financial advisor and they'll reinforce that to you and sometimes that's all you need we need that in aspects of our life too maybe not on the financial side but getting reassurance is always good you know as human beings we want to solve problems and we feel like okay well we've got a problem so we should have we should do something about it we don't like just doing nothing and letting sort of time uh solve the problem for us so to speak that's a horrible analogy but you know, we want to solve the problem. We feel like there has to be a fix for it. And that's not necessarily the case. To your point, yeah, there are things you can do. There are different investments. We've talked about this that are more recession proof than others. You may be looking at putting long-term capital to work now because things are cheap. Those are great ideas that are going to enhance return. But at a minimum, we're going to encourage people not to sell out, not to look for GICs at this time to just calm that that fear. It's not to say that GICs aren't a solution, but they're not a solution to solve that particular issue. So you may be looking at buying GICs, but it should be for uh, as a part of your long-term strategy, not just to solve this little short-term blip. Exactly. Anyway, there I go hogging the mic again. So Rob, let's talk about some of the things on more on the financial side that uh, that you can do to prepare and reduce the anxiety and concern around a recession. So this is the easiest one. 
And there used to be an old saying too, another analogy, there's no free lunch except for diversification. You want to make sure that your portfolio is diversified. In simple terms, that's just making sure you have some cash, some stocks and some bonds and making sure that, especially in your cash and your bonds, you have some Canadian investments and some American and some global investments. You never know which part of the world is going to perform better or worse, although the world's more connected than what it used to be. But you still want to make sure that you have a strategy, make sure your portfolio is diversified, have a plan, stick to your long-term investment goals, stick to your strategy, and that's really it. Stick to it. Don't let these blips in the economy derail you from what the long-term goal is. Right. I know what our listeners out there are thinking. It's like a broken record, right? We talk about that in so many aspects of portfolio management and and financial planning and so on. Um, so we'll go away from that a little bit and talk about some things maybe we don't talk as much about. One of the ways to take away that stress and ang- that anxiety is, well, number one, hopefully you've got some emergency savings. Again, a lot of times during recessions, we see job losses. So to have that emergency savings would be important if you're unfortunate enough to, to lose your job. If not, then bulk up your emergency savings. It's always a good strategy. There's lots of different views on how much you should have. I think the minimum would probably be three months worth of income up to a year, right? Not knowing how long you might be uh, might be out of work for. So just look at your emergency savings. And again, I talked about GICs. That might be somewhere that you look if you're looking at bulking up your emergency savings. The third point, Steve, or 1C, yeah. would be... And this is an obvious one too, but pay off debt. We've actually been advising clients a lot over the past number of years. We get asked all the time, should I pay off my mortgage or should I invest? Well, when credit was so easy to carry and rates were so low, we actually advise people to invest in the markets, invest in the portfolios, because typically you're making a return that's more than the interest that you're paying on your debt. But now with rates going up so quickly, so fast this year in 2022, the opposite is true. So if you do have any debt outstanding and your re- investments are not earning the rate of return to exceed the cost of carrying that debt, it definitely makes sense with any excess capital to pay down that debt. And as you are talking about earlier too, Steve, when you do carry excessive debt, that definitely can be a huge stressor. So, And if you potentially have that situation where you may lose your job or reduced hours, etc., whatever the case may be, you definitely want to reduce one point of stress in your life by reducing some excess debt. Right. And I would add one more thing to that. I would stress test my debt as well, right? The banks do it when you take a mortgage. They make sure you can pay at a higher rate. I think you want to do that as well. You want to make sure that you can stress test your debt so that if you do see rates go up, you know that you can continue to carry that debt all the while looking at reducing that debt if you can. And I think, again, that goes into the next point, which is to have a budget. It's actually quite surprising sometimes how few people have budgets. I think it's really important. And this might open people's eyes to it a little bit more. There's a lot of people out there that are have been working for many years, that have been investing for many years, that haven't seen rates much above zero for yeah. the most part. So, right. so, you know, we're getting into this situation now where seeing rates go up, it's a bit of a shock. And I think hopefully it's encouraging people to budget a little bit more and be a bit more prepared for increased costs, whether it be because of higher interest rates or just inflation and cost of goods and services. Now, we're not getting too much into specific numbers, Steve, in this episode, but 
Of course, the Bank of Canada met a couple of weeks ago, and they're anticipating a raise of 75 basis points or 0.75%, but they actually surprised the market by only raising 50 basis points or half a percent, which is still a large increase in the grand scheme of things. Anytime the central bankers are raising more than 0.25 at a time, it seems to be an extraordinary move. But that brings the overnight rate to 3.75, which is the highest it's been since back in 2008. So that's 14 years ago. So to your point earlier, it's been a long time since we've had these sort of rates. And again, we don't know when it's exactly going to end. It's all based off of where inflation goes. Inflation is starting to come down. Hopefully it continues in that trajectory. But at Scotiabank, our economics team expects the rate to get to four and a quarter. Now, maybe it's four and a half. Again, depends on the numbers. But so just for people that are budgeting, so maybe another half a percent to three quarters of a percent increase in, in those costs. Yeah, and I mean, you can use those numbers for your stress test, or you could do it at 5% just to be on the safe side. But looking at what the possibilities are, I think a lot of people too might say, wow, they're going to they're gonna lower them again down the road. Certainly, that's a possibility. But again, we're not going back to where we were anytime soon. And Rob, to your point earlier, I know we're not using exact numbers because I did say rates were around zero. So obviously, we're <laughs> not <right>. being very <laughs> specific about what where rates were and, and where they've gotten to. But again, we know they've gone up, they've gone up quickly and, you know, people are feeling the effect of that. So it's important to us that our listeners out there have some peace of mind, some comfort by all means. If this episode isn't enough to, to calm those, those fears, those concerns, that anxiety, then give us a call and, and we'll talk about your own specific situation and maybe give you some more ideas that are specific to your own actual situation. So Rob, I'll, I'll say, I'll finish with, what we often tell people in this, when it's cold like this in this weather, we say, hope you're staying warm out there. <laughs> and like people aren't indoors right now. I know. <laughs> like no one's not, going outside. Right I know. Now. And I say it. And I think when I say it sometimes, I'm like, why am I telling people, you know, are you staying warm? Of course, they're staying warm. They're not just hanging out in their backyard right now. Right. So, but anyway, I, I know the weather's improving and, and that's going to be a good thing for all of us. So we'll manage to stay warm. So, Rob, as always, I'm Stephen Ellis. And I'm Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents who finish each other's sentences. And we'll talk to you again soon. soon.